This is Zorina. Welcome to Grow and Learn. Today we're going to be speaking about going past the gatekeepers, getting your foot in the door, something that most people, most entrepreneurs, most job seekers, most love seekers fail at. <laughs> I'm speaking to a world-renowned expert on sales negotiations. He has some tremendous uh, record in achieving sales uh, goals for the companies he's worked for. Um, as a consultant, I think it was. I'm welcoming Axane Anderson all the way from Utah. Hi, Axane. Thank you, Serena. Thank you for having me on the show. What an honor to be on your show today. <laughs> Great to have you. Um, let me just throw in some of your credentials because they're quite impressive. Um, and, and I do want to impress people because they, they might want to listen <laughs> to what you have to say. <laughs> so... Um, you've been featured on Forbes.com, Speaker Magazine, on TV, various business blogs and podcasts. You have a number of books. The um, one that is focused on going past the gatekeeper is called The Key to the Gate, Principles and Techniques to Get Past Gatekeepers to the Decision Maker. I'm going to show it a bit later on, show the cover. But you're also speaking specifically about being the CEO for your children or how um, building a relationship within your family is sometimes even more important and it follows the same principles as business success, negotiations, and going past the gatekeeper. So this is what I'd like to talk about today. It's a lot. So what are some of the what are some of the first questions or state of mind that somebody needs to set themselves in what is the first thing somebody needs to do to go past the gate gatekeeper <laughs> well these are that's a great question Serena. that's a great question so let's just if you're in business if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a salesperson or just a business owner the ability to influence other people is super important how do i influence people ethically in a good positive way so that i can present whatever it is I'm trying to present or whatever it is I'm trying to influence them with. And so let me, this is such a good question. Let me, let me back up just a little bit. I was, I had an experience at a bank many years ago and I'll tell you um, I, the problem, I had a problem with my bank account. The problem was um, is that I didn't put money in the bank when I should have put money in the bank. Okay. I went down to this bank. I was a little bit concerned because I was in the red. And um, there was a gentleman at this bank who helped me fix this problem. I put the money in like I should have. And he was really nice. He waived a bunch of the overdraft fees. And I was really grateful for his help. And I, when he was done, I said, hey, Jeff, I call him Jeff. I said, hey, Jeff, can I get the email to your boss? And he looked at me kind of funny, like, well, why do you want the email to my boss? And I said, you know what? I'm going to write him a letter and tell him how appreciative I am for your help. and What a great job you did. And by the way, he looked at me when I said that I could tell he was not used to that. But I went home that night and I typed up a letter that said, dear, dear branch manager is the branch manager of this particular bank. Dear branch manager had the opportunity of speaking with Jeff. He was very helpful and professional. I think he deserves a raise and a promotion. And it was a sincere email. And I sent it to his boss and I copied Jeff on the email so just because I had his card and I had his boss's email. And when I was done... Um, I didn't think anything else about it. He was nice. He'd helped me fix this problem with my bank account. And I had sent a, a, an email to his boss telling him how appreciative I was. And like I said, I didn't think anything else about it. Well, it was really interesting. I went back to the bank. And this is back in the days when you had to go to the bank more than you do now, right? And I was standing in line. There were probably 10 people or so in front of me at this bank. 
And something happened to me that had never happened to me before. Somebody came up to me and it was not Jeff and it was not his boss, the branch manager. It, it was somebody else. They came up to me and they said, Mr. Anderson, they, they knew my name, which is kind of interesting because that wasn't typical. I lived, I was in a fairly large city and sounds like the matrix. <laughs> I was on, could have been something like that. He Mr. said, Anderson. Mr. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Anderson. And I said, yes. And he said, can I help you with your banking? And I was a little surprised. I said, well, well, sure. And he said, follow me. And he took me from the back of the line and he let me do my banking in front of everybody else. You would have thought that I had $10 million at the bank, which we all know that I didn't. And it happened again and again when I came to this bank. And it didn't start happening where they would take me from the back of the line, let me do it by making, until I had sent this email to the boss complimenting with a sincere compliment, something about Jeff. Well, if you hold, why do you think that happened? I ask people this sometimes. I say, why do you think that happened? And, you know, I, I let me tell you the answers I hear people say. They say, well, they probably wanted to get a compliment just like Jeff did, or they wanted you to write an email to them or something. I mean, that's, that may be true. But if I'm going to fast forward several years later, I'm sitting in New York. I'm sitting across the, the table from this high level director in New York. And he looks at me and he said something that surprised me. He said, you are the only salesperson I have ever led into my office. And I was surprised because competition was fierce for this particular product. Now, to be fair, he may have meant about the particular product I was selling, but that's not what he said. He said, you're the only person, you're the only salesperson I've led into my office. And then he said something really interesting. And I'll tell you, I ask sometimes I'll ask people, I'll say, what do you think he said next? And they're like, well, tell us. And I say, well, let me, let me tell you. It was almost the same thing that happened in the bank years before. Um, let me tell you what happened. I'd sent this director an email asking to if I could chat with him, you know. And when I sent the email, I was completely ignored. Uh, no response. Well, a few days later, I called in to ask to speak to his uh, to speak to him. And and who did I run into? It was the secretary. The secretary picked up the phone and I said, hey, can I speak with Bob? And she said, he's unavailable, which they always say. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's interesting. Maybe what I could do is just resend the email that I'd sent uh, last week to, and copy it to you just to make sure he gets it. Would, you, would that be OK? And she said, sure. And as we were talking, I noticed that she was very friendly. She had one of those kind of bright, bubbly personalities. She was talking very friendly. And I, and I said, you know, thank you so much for being so professional and helpful. I really appreciate it. I said, I talk to people on the phone all day long and it's refreshing to talk to someone um, as just friendly and professional as you. And she said, well, thanks. And, and I, as I was pulling up the email, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to mention that to your boss. And I told her, I said, you know what, I'm going to mention that to your boss. And so what I did is I really quick, I had her on the phone and I had, and I was sending it to her, to her boss and copying her on it. Janice, we'll call her. So Jeff, Bob's the, we'll call Bob. Bob is the director in New York. Janice is the secretary. I'm sending it to Bob, but copying it to Janice. And I just typed really fast. And I said, dear Bob, I had the opportunity of speaking with Janice. She was very professional and courteous. I think she's an asset to your team. By the way, I'm going to be in New York on these days. And I sent it to Bob, copied her on it. And I said, hey, did that email come through? And she said, well, let me check. There was a little pause. She said, yeah, it came through. And then she said, hey, thank you for the compliment. And I said, well, I meant it. It was sincere. Thanks for being so, so awesome to talk to. 
that was it. The conversation ended slightly shortly thereafter. Well, fast forward. I'm now I'm back in the high level director's office. He's just looked at me and said, you're the only salesperson I've let into my office. Here's what he said next. He said, the reason you're here is because you were nice to my secretary. He said, I talked to my secretary more than I talked to my wife. Some of these sales guys don't understand that. And I got to tell you, I thought, Zarina, that that was super interesting. It was, let me tell you what he did not say. He did not say, you have the best social media I've ever seen. That's why I let you in. He did not say that. He did not say, you have the best website or you have the best. He said it was because you were nice to my secretary. Isn't that interesting? Um, yeah. And uh, just being, just treating people right is what gets you through the doors. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome story. It reminds me a lot of the principles that I've read in a few books. I can't remember whether it was Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top or Napoleon Hill or uh, Stephen Covey's The Seven Principles of Successful People. One of these three, or maybe all three, actually mentioned exactly what you're talking about, like praising people for and finding the, the gems that people have. And uh, I have read about this approach and, and it's very interesting to hear a story where you've actually applied it and how it works in real life. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the truth is, it's just treating people like you want to be treated. It's not rocket science. I mean, who doesn't want to have a compliment to their boss about something that's important to them? I mean, um, but I think the thing that did it was that it was unexpected. And I think if you can remember in life to do things, you know, let me back up really quick here. We have what are called expectations. We expect a certain something like in our relationships with other people. But a lot of times our reality comes in lower. And so if I expect something up here, but my reality comes lower, the distance between these two things, this distance here is called frustration. Mm -hmm. And so if I, if I set an expectation with somebody, but I don't deliver, they're frustrated. Mm -hmm. Good salespeople don't do this. Good salespeople keep the lines together. They do what they say they're going to do. But great salespeople or great influencers, they learn to flip these lines. In other words, what they do is they make people's reality better than they expect. And then this distance in here is actually delight. It's it's awesomeness. It's referrals. And so I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I, I think it actually, I accidentally stumbled into this. You know, Jeff deals with people all day long. He expects a little something, but by the end of the call, he actually had an email from me to his boss telling him to give him a raise. That was better than what he expected. And so he was delighted instead of frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so Everything we do in life, if we can figure out a way to make people's reality better than they expect, our ability to influence them goes way up. Mm -hmm. Super good question. Work, I, mean, I like what you said. Does this work according to your experience in all situations? Or do you find that these two situations were particularly lucky because of the relationships that people had already um, created prior to you entering the whole conversation? For example, the secretary was already, you know, in a, in a good standing with her boss. So that's a great question. Um, so in answer to your question, I'll back up. You can do everything right and people can still tell you no. Okay. Uh, right. Because there's this principle called free will. People can choose. But the research shows that the chances of people um, doing, you're being able to influence someone go way up when you are the first to be kind to them, the first to do something nice for them. When you're the first, you don't wait for them to be nice to you. You'd be nice to them first. Do it without expectation. It wasn't like I'm saying, hey, I'll do this, but you got to give me a point. I was just saying, you were great. Let me give you a compliment. Didn't I, I, and she was the one who felt like, wow, he did something nice for me. I'm going to get him in, into the boss. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I didn't now. Here's the other thing. Two things I want you to point out. I did not get into that CEO because I knew the CEO's buddy or because I knew some senator or some politician. It was the, the secretary. Right. And the truth is some people want to treat important people really important and other people they don't think are as important. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. The truth is the world's upside down. The person who had the most power in this whole situation to get me in was the secretary who some people might consider lowly. If you treat everyone you meet as a king or a queen, you treat them with dignity, um, you would be surprised how many times the secretary is the mom of the CEO. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised how many times a janitor is, is the brother or the relative or the in-law or the somebody related to somebody. Treat everyone you meet with respect. And when you do that, People can tell you're not a snob. They can tell you that you that you care about others and they want to do business with people who are like that. Here's the next thing. I want you, you mentioned something. I want to say one more story. My wife, this is a, this this same principle applies in relationships. Let me tell you one thing. She once told me, she said, Hey, I really miss my parents. And she said it again and again. She goes, I'm really missing my parents. Well, her parents happened to live in San Diego, California at the time. And um I decided that I was going to try to make her reality a little bit better than she expected because I wanted to, to do it. So anyway, I went and bought a, a plane ticket to San Diego. I didn't tell her. I had my oldest daughter pack a bag, so I made sure I had the right things. We were driving down to see some lights during the holiday time. Where I live, a lot of times they have a lot of lights in December during the holidays. And as we were driving down, there's a part in the road that goes down to the lights. And we had a bunch of cars that were going down to see these lights together and my family. And then there's a way that goes this way that goes to the airport. And I secretly had packed a bag and bought our plane ticket to San Diego, but I didn't tell her. Okay. Well, as we were going down to see the lights and she thought we were going to see these lights, she about three miles before we got to this turn in the freeway, she said, you know, I'm really missing my parents. And I thought... This is such perfect timing. I said, I think we should go. You should go see your parents. As we got to this fork in the road, the car turned this way. All the cars that we were following went down to the lights. And I turned towards the airport. She looked over at me. She said, you missed the turn. And I said, yeah, I think you should go see your parents. And she thought I was just being silly and that we were going to be. <laughs> we pull up to the airport terminal and I pop the trunk and I pull out a bag and I hand her her, her uh, little. Yeah. I her little boarding pass to thing is, and I had her luggage been the boarding pass, like you said. And she looked at it and she goes, Is this real? I said, <laughs> she says, Is this real? I said, It's real. She goes, Is this real? I said, Yeah. You go enjoy your parents. I'll take the kids for a few days and just have a great time. Well, I got to tell you, Zarena, that was probably the best thing I ever did for my marriage. I mean, things were really good for a long time. And why? It's because. You know, a lot of times, maybe my wife expects things from me and I don't come in quite as good. And so she's frustrated. But in this situation, I was able to flip the lines where her reality was better than she expected. And because of that, she was delighted. And if you can do that in your relationships, if you can do that with people you work with, if you can do that with your children, if you can do that with everybody, your ability to influence them goes way, way up. Now, they can still tell you no. They can still say, I don't want to meet with you. But I'm guessing that a lot of the people on your podcast are here are very highly intelligent, awesome people who can come up with a, a thousand different ways to, to meet people's, make people's reality better than they expect. Such a great question. Thanks, Arena. Oh, thanks so much for the great story. It's really heartwarming. It's, uh, 
is it all about well-meaning and um, installing positive emotions in people or is there something else to the secret of opening the gate? <laughs> I think you're actually, you're, I think you just named it. As you said it, I got tingles. I'm like, that's really how it is. People think there's some secret formula. The truth is, the truth is just treat people right, but be the first to do it. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for them to do it to you. Just, and do it without expectation. In other words, I'm going to be kind to you, whether you're the secretary, whether you're the janitor, whether you're the CEO, whether you're the senator, I'm going to treat you all the same. And I'm going to try to do it, be the first one to make your reality better than you expect. When you do that consistently, and the best way to do it is just to practice it everywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. let me give you one example, one more, and I'll be done. Okay. My wife, examples. <laughs> my wife and I were at this restaurant and there was a waitress and she was awesome. She was laughing with us. She was making jokes. And I thought to myself, you know what? I really like this behavior. Let's, let's compliment her for it. It wasn't sincere. So I, I said, Hey, go get your boss over here. Cause I like to do the, get your boss over here. She kind of said, well, what? And I said, just get your boss over here. The boss came over and my wife, I went to the, to her boss at the restaurant. And I said, you know, I would drive across town just to come to this restaurant because this waitress is phenomenal. She's made me and my wife laugh. She's just, she's awesome. Will you take care of her, please? And the guy looked at me and he said, you know what? I will. She'll take care of it. And she was standing right there. Well, she left and he left. And we went back and sat down. Well, a little while later, the, the, the waitress came up and she said, and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, you are the best table I've ever waited you know, there's so much negativity in the world. A lot of people would treat a waitress. Just, some people will say, well, hey, the steak's not right. or The soup doesn't feel quite right. Or can you bring this back? This wasn't right. They get so much of that. If you can be the light to someone, the positive to someone, as you said, Zarina, which I loved you said, was just the positive emotions. Honey works better than vinegar. You hear that? Honey works better than positive reinforcement, even in research, like catching people doing something right and yeah. giving them purpose for it is the most effective way to shape human behavior. That's not just me. That's research-based. Mm -hmm. If you want to have people be influenced, give them attention for the stuff they're doing that's good. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about kids because uh, now that you're talking about positive reinforcement, I'm thinking about some studies done uh, by Jose Silva on... I mean, he, he used other methodologies such as leading them in alpha and so on, but... Um, he started praising and reinforcing the, uh, them for the successes where they had the highest grades, as opposed to trying to compensate for the um, or focus on the subjects where they had the lowest grades. And at the end, as the children focused on the subjects where they had the highest grades, the average score improved in a, in a span of a year. So, wow. Yeah. So the, the, yes, I, I agree. There, there's a lot of uh, research done on the subject of positive reinforcement. But can you give me one one more example that refers to kids specifically? Because I know one of your books is called. Uh, let me just quote it again. Children. Ah, uh, what I want my children to know before I die. Yes. Thanks, Serena, for asking. So they I said, if you can think about behaviors, this is a great question. Again, thanks, Serena. If you, if you think about behaviors like little seeds that you plant in the ground, you know, like a farmer would plant seeds, or if you're trying to plant to grow something in a garden or flower or something, you plant a seed. And attention is like water. If you can imagine that I have in my hand right here a pitcher of water where I can water the behaviors I want to see grow. Mm -hmm. Well, what a lot of parents do 
is they don't know this principle and they start watering the weeds. So if you've ever heard a parent say something like this, they say, I can't believe you stayed up till three o'clock in the morning last night and you didn't make your bed and you're getting a C minus in your math class. And, and they start saying all the things they don't want. Well, what they're really doing is they're watering the behaviors they don't do not want to see grow with attention. And they're actually making it more likely that those behaviors will grow and become worse. And it's so much more effective, like you said, to catch kids doing something right. Now, let me tell you one story. I have a daughter and she's awesome. She's just a good girl. But I'll just tell you one thing that happened when she was young. She came and knocked on my door. She was about, I don't know, I want to say six or seven years old. It was in the morning. She knocked on my door. She said, I opened the door and she said, hey, dad, surprise. I got ready for school. I made my lunch. I made my bed. and I'm ready to go to school. And I had just learned about positive reinforcement not too long ago. And I actually went to my wife and I said, hey, let's see if this really works. Let's water this behavior with attention. Let's give it a lot of attention. So I went out there and I said something. I said, wow, your bed looks great. You made it. We didn't have to ask you. You got dressed. I didn't have to ask you. You made your lunch. Wow, thank you. And my wife, she kind of laid it on pretty thick too as well and gave her a lot of attention. And it was really interesting because guess what happened? My daughter did it again. And we kept watering it. Now, you don't have to water every time, but you need to water kind of sporadically at least, right? Yeah. Not every single time might be weird, but like you, if you do it intermittently, they say that's the most effective. So you do it kind of randomly. Mm -hmm. And she became, now, by the way, I think she's just a good girl, okay? So I don't want to take credit for her behavior. She's a good girl, but she did end up doing it. She was the kind of girl who got up every morning, got ready for, and, and got ready for school, got her lunch made, and just, she just did it again and became kind of how she did things. Well, what would have been less effective? Less effective would have been to wait till she sleeps in, doesn't make her bed, doesn't get up, and then storm into her room and say, now, how many times do I have to tell you to get up and make your bed? And, and that's what a lot of parents do, but they don't realize they're making it worse. And so in life, in business, if you want to talk to a high-level director in New York or you want to influence your six-year-old child, catch them doing something right, you know? Me catching Janice, who was the secretary of Bob in New York, that was the most effective thing I could have done. Now, some sales trainers, backing up to business, some sales trainers I've heard say, well, if you can't get past the secretary, you should kind of pretend like you're high and mighty and the CEO is high and mighty, and then kind of treat the secretary like she's just a little bump on the road and say, now, who are you and what is your title? And I totally disagree with that. I disagree with that because it's against the golden rule. Mm -hmm. The golden rule is so, so powerful. We got to treat people like we want to be treated, yeah. and it's and it, when we do, our ability to influence them goes up. So great questions, Arena. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I actually concur to this to, to this way of thinking. I've researched myself and and also practiced this after I read these books that I've told you. And I know this thing works, by the way. Now I, I was also wondering um, how to approach it when you're not communicating with the person in person, but like in written communication, is there something you could still do to apply this? Well, sure. One of the things you've got to realize, this is a great question, Serena. They say that most communication is not just your words. In fact, I've heard it said that research says that 93% of what you're saying is not with your words. So as we're talking right now, you know, I'm communicating with maybe how my voice, my voice is. Am I, am I talking confidently or not? Or am I smiling or not? Am I kind of defensive or am I a little more open? Am I, and, and that communication is really important when you're writing or you're texting, you've only got a little percentage of that. You've only got like maybe 7%. So you'd want to be a lot, you might 
be a lot more nice in your email or in your text or in your letter than you think you need to be because people can't hear your tone. They can't see your eyes. They can't, you know, I can say, you know, you could be typing a letter to someone, anybody, and they could get that same letter a minute later and say, oh, what a jerk. I can't believe he said that or she right. said that. And and so you might want to just be a more nice in communication than you think you need to be. And maybe even use a little emoji. You might put a little smiley face or something, you know, something to show. Yeah. Um, because you're because they don't have that other 93% of your your body language, right. what you're saying. Right. And they perceive with the emotion that they have at the moment. So I, I've had some misunderstandings in, in written communication when people have perceived something completely in a different way, as I had meant it. <laughs> Absolutely. And just real quick on that, they did a study. They did a study of people who were trying to work out their relationship problems via text message. Mm-hmm. And they found that they failed miserably. Like if you're trying to use your phone to, to work out a relationship, it's much more effective to wait till you're calm. If you're having a problem, wait till you're calm and then talk to someone on the phone or even better face to face if you're really trying to work out a problem. Now, you don't want to work out a problem when people are in the heat of the moment. If you're angry or you're feeling heated, best to let that get down to where you can be kind of in the boardroom. But if you want to work out a problem, they found it's way you'll have way better chance if you're sitting face to face when you're both calm and you can talk it out just like you're in a boardroom, right? Then trying to text message. Now, sometimes that that's impossible and you have to use text message or email, in which case you want to be nicer than you think you need to be. So they can at least try, you can try to convey your tone through the words mm-hmm. or the emoticons or whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. Great question. Great answer. I loved it. Let me just show once again, the titles of the books you have written. This one is unfortunately a bit small. What I want my children to know before I die. And this is the other one. The key to the gate. And this is, oh, sorry, this is the article <laughs> in the Forbes. <laughs> I was I also started reading it before you jumped on the call. Thank you, Zorina. Yeah. I was excited to show that. Oh, it was a lovely conversation. What is the, well, what's, <laughs> you know, once I, once I, um, I was researching the best and the worst questions to ask people at a podcast. And it turns out that one of the best questions to ask people is what is the best and what is the worst question you were ever asked? (laughs) That's good. You're a great host, by the way, Serena. Great host. Um, Best question and best worst question. That is such a good question. Um, Goodness. Well, I don't know if I have, I'd have that one. I would probably have to give a little bit of thought to, but let me, since you said that, one of the things I've noticed that you've done right now, and 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 since I'd have to think about that one for just a little bit, the fact that you're asking the questions, I just want to tell you, that there was some research out of Harvard that said that the person in the conversation who's asking the most questions is the one at the end of the conversation that the person rates as being the most likable. So they'd actually did some studies where people were together. So really... <laughs> They were they were together talking, and then they 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 went and asked each person how much they liked talking to that person, and they found that there was this correlation between the person who was asking the most questions was the one who was liked the most. So, I'm guessing that everybody on your show here is loving you because you ask these great questions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, and, that was not my intention, person, by the way, to to take but, the stage from you. 
<laughs> oh, no, no, it's wonderful, though, because you ask such good questions. And I think that's just circling back to our conversation about uh, influence. The person who is asking the most questions in a conversation is usually the one who's liked the most. Yeah, and if and I may so, add to that, uh, he's also perceived as a leader. This is what I've also read. I didn't know about the the likeness, but but the person who, in a conversation, not in a podcast setting, but in a normal conversation, the person who asks the question leads the conversation, so they're seen as the leader. Absolutely, that's and yes, and by the way, you, you're doing a great job on this podcast. I am the fact that you're out there helping people grow and learn like your podcast says so awesome thank you Zarina for doing that and these are great questions I'm gonna have to think about that one because I'm not sure if I know the answer quite often but we'll ask some great questions on we can skip it no problem okay (laughs) yeah I mean and we don't have to think about the worst question right so okay so is there anything else that I've excuse me I interrupted I said I can't think of I'm I'm sorry I, I cut you off I apologize Anything else that you would like to add that I've missed asking you that you would like to throw at us? <laughs> I would just I would just say that um, when you're trying to influence anyone, this this thought I call it the golden rule, which is we tr- treat people like you want to be treated. Do it in a way that surprises them, so they don't expect it. And if you do that consistently with your anyone who's important to you a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, children, business associate, whoever it is, if we can treat them like we want to be treated and be the first one to do it and do it in kind of a surprise, unexpected way, the chances that they, that the other person will um, listen to you or the chance of getting from kind of a no situation to a yes situation go way up. And so um, I guess it's just not, it's not rocket science. It's just treat people like we want to be treated and do it, be the first one to do it. And that's that, that in my experience helps influence people um, more than you can imagine if you do it consistently. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed our talk. Uh, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach you for services and what exactly do you offer in terms of services? Well, um, they can reach me at xfactoredge.com, which is uh, my business site. Um, they can also reach me through xsane.com, which is my first name.com. But xfactoredge.com is probably easy to remember. X-F-A-C-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com. Um, I do uh, keynote speeches and trainings um, internationally. Um, and so if any if anyone would like to have those trainings for their business or for other venues, um, that's how they can reach me. This is your website. <clears throat> expectoredge.com all right awesome yes, it is. all right thank it's you so much pleasure. thank you to thank you to xane <laughs> hope to have you back again maybe you come up with a with a different topic you have so many topics that uh, that we could discuss and i i'm curious to talk about more um, in the subject of negotiation now and there's so many scenarios that we can talk about when it comes to work-related and business-related psychology or psychologist yourself. So we've just scratched the surface on the applications of psychology for business. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I'm not a psychologist, but I did study it a little in school. I won't say that I'm quite a psychologist, but thank you for that. But I, it was so nice of you to have me on and, and I would be happy to, I would be honored to be a guest on your podcast again, Serena. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.